卵の殻を破らねばヒナドリは生まれずに死んでいく我らがヒナだ卵は世界だ世界の殻を破らねば我らは生まれずに死んでいく世界の殻を破壊せよ Welcome back to the Shadow Play Gaze. We are a podcast that discusses the 1997 anime Revolutionary Girl Utsuna. As always, I am one of your hosts, Derek Reining, and I'm joined by someone who knows that it feels good once you're used to it. It's Christine Powell. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Just the first, you know. Thought that came to mind, you know. I thought I expected you to go on like and riding in my sidecar. <laughs> is <laughs> yes, my favorite. Um, my second half when it comes to uh homoerotic uh scenes involving sidecars, it's Christine Palin. You, you can but, drive, right? Oh, yes, baby. Well, I'm, I'm a, the gay who doesn't drive, so this is perfect. I'll be in the sidecar. <laughs> You're, you're a stereotype to a <laughs> um, Yes, we're here to talk about um, episode 36, right? And yeah. Thus opens the doorway of night. Or uh, alternately translated, and the doors of night open. Mm. So we got either another way. one. Yeah, either very way. Very dramatic. Yeah, very dramatic episode title. Um, Which makes perfect sense for an episode where, like, most of the cast is shirtless for, like, a good chunk of it. Yeah, very dramatic episode all around. Um, very homoerotic um, with a banger of a dual song. We had to like delay the start of the recording like 30 minutes for dinner related purposes. And I did spend that 30 minutes looking up like all the references. So oh, of <laughs> we'll have, I'll have a lot to talk about. Um, I don't know if it's what they intended when they wrote the lyrics, but I've pulled meaning from it. And that's yes. that's. The point of the show. I can't、um, wait to get to the allegory, allegory, or allegoriest of it all. It all.、Um, so, yeah, we'll just jump right into it. I mean, but first, Derek, do you have notes?、Um, um, I mean, just general Akio creepiness. The, the Akio Utsuna relationship is obviously taking like pretty front and center in this episode, but then we also get some more scenes of Akio with Toga. Um, obviously, Toga also a minor, just like Utena. So I think just the general and sort of. And then Akio warning, and Anthi at the end、yes, of the episode. Yes, absolutely. So just like Akio is the warning, basically. And then I think I will be given the dual song. I will talk us briefly about Marquita Saad. So,、oh, um, horny warning. Horny, like depraved warning. <laughs>、um, so. But yeah, other than that,、um, we'll get into my notes. So, the storyboards on this one were done by Hiroshi Nishikiori and Toru Takahashi. They both did it.、Um, so, Hiroshi Nishikiori did her tragedy, Nanami's Egg, Kabel, The Happiness, and some others.、Um, and then Toru Takahashi is an Evangelion alum who, who did storyboards and directed a bunch of episodes of the show, including the premiere and the finale. And Takahashi also directed this episode. And then, like last episode, since this is More or less a two parter. This one was written by Ryoi Sukimura, who wrote six episodes of Utenes. This is the last one he wrote. All absolute fucking bangers. I've listened to them before. I'll listen them again. Thorns of Death, Troublesome Insects, Wakaba Flourishing, Whispers in the Dark, As You're Paler Than the Sky, and then the last one, and this one. And as I've mentioned, he wrote every episode of the anime noir.、Um, so those are, our, those are our players for this episode. Um, and this episode opens more or less on like a recap before the title、yeah. card. It's just the、uh, flashes of young Utena asking them to like, leave her in the coffin. 
And then a little brief, you know, recap of the last Hogan Sionji student council meeting. The we're all trapped in our coffins of it all. We're shirtless, etc. <laughs> As, you, as we should. I mean, that's a banger of a line, so I don't blame <laughs> them for dropping that back in there. Um, but yeah, so then we go into kind of like a new... We can assume that um, Akio has taken Utena on multiple horse rides now because he refers to the idea of, like, getting used to it. Obviously, kind of drawing a parallel to sex, I guess. Like, you know, once you're used to it, it feels better. Um, mm-hmm. And he once again calls her a princess. He says, oh, you look just like a princess in the woods, whatever the fuck that means, like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, literally everything he says, I'm just, like, Nini Leak's voice, whatever that means, like, mm. it's nonsense. But it's it's important when, when he says you look just like a princess, we talk about the importance in this show of um, the way other people see you and forming the way you see yourself, and of course, Akio is very deliberately trying to reinforce the idea, you are a princess, uh, if you, because if you, I look like a prince, and if I think you look like a princess, you must be a princess. And it's that's contrary, and we'll get into this with Jury's response to Utena later in the just just after the scene. It's contrary to how everyone else has seen Utena throughout the show. She's been like, you're you you dress like a boy. She's ha- been having to like tell people, I'm not a boy. <laughs> like just because I look like mm-hmm. a boy, I'm not a boy. And so for him to be like, you look like a princess. That's so contrary to like what everyone has said to Utena. It is, you know, just abundantly clear that he is doing that on purpose to mold her in the image of a princess rather than anything inherent in her other than the fact that she's a girl. That's the only, that's the only reason like he says, it says she looks like princess princess because all the girls of the world are princesses. Mm -hmm. Oh Um, yeah, I agree. And I do love that jury line because it speaks to how we do talk a lot about the idea of like, Oh, like, um, the the way other people see you can, like, have an effect on how you see yourself, which is, like, starting to hold true for Utena, but Jerry kind of can see past that, and even Miki, too. They have, like, a, a reaction of, like, well, she does seem to have changed, like, in how she looks, but we sense something off. So um, I love that the other characters, and, we like, um, they're, like, kind of seeing past the veil now, it seems like, um, or they're talking in ways that speak to the sort of, like, existential crisis that seems to be coming to the school, rather than just, like, day-to-day surface-level stuff, which is, like, an interesting shift for the show. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, like, after we see Uta and Akio kiss again, and Akio comes back later that evening, and he sees Toga, both have their shirts open. <laughs> yeah, we do cut to that scene of um, Mickey and Jury in the fencing hall, and this scene is framed by two people fencing below them um, as they talk. And, yeah, so Jury's like, I don't know why, but she look, looks like a girl to me. And Mickey's like, well, of course, Miss Uten is a girl. Um, <laughs> and we're getting back at this issue of like what someone looks like and what they like, uh, how other people see them. And and me, but yeah, like you said, Mickey ultimately agrees. Like, I, I mean, and it's it's a, it has to be Jury who says this. Like, there's no other character I think who would say like. Why does she look like a girl to me? Because Jury is, as we mentioned when we talked about Jury, Jury is so aware of the way she presents herself and like the way she moves around spaces. We talked about the difference between like Utna stretching and like doing her like little like car, like her little headstands and Jury being like so like stoic and like not taking up space. Like Jury is so aware of how she presents herself and so aware aware of like 
the gender of it all of her of Ruka and being the fencing captain and of course the gayness of it all we can't like you know <laughs> we can't deny that connection there and so just like Juri Lens is the only person who can lend Utena her sword to defeat Toga mm-hmm. I think she's the only person who could like outright say or at least be be like have in the front of their mind of like she looks like a girl and like what that means because she's not saying mm-hmm. she looks like a girl is she saying she like is like taking on the social role of a girl in a way that is different to the way she performed her her gender before yeah i mean because utina does not physically look different at all no like still in the same uniform still like everything about her is the same it's just like the way she's carrying herself and the way she's acting um and i also find that scene interesting because jury is like as we know (laughs) she's a little gossip she's kind of nosy um (laughs) And she doesn't seem to understand what's happening with Utena. So, like, clearly this whole, like, relationship with Akio is, like, being kept under wraps in a way that, like, usually stuff in um, Otori, like, usually everyone knows everything. Um, so the fact that even Jury, who's, like, always in everyone's business, doesn't know, like, what's going on, that's, like, a sign that something is off about this. Jury's literally, in this scene, is literally, like, something shifted. <laughs> the, the ultimate vibe shift. Because she's like, something is changing. No, everything is changing. The entire school is changing. The day of revolution is approaching. But I have what is this vague and awful feeling I have? Um, so you're like, Jury is the original. Something shifted. Absolutely. And then, of course, <laughs> as soon as she's like, something horrible is hap- about to happen. <laughs> Smash cut to um, two clowns in a motorcycle in the sidecar. <laughs> <laughs> it just, just like, what is Sayonji's got around his neck? What was it? Was it a He's choker? got like it looks like it looks like a choker, but like yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's got like a helmet on. We just can't see because he has so much hair. I don't know. It's very yeah. This whole scene's very interesting. So yeah, yeah, Toga, because of course Toga's whole deal is that he's trying to imitate Akio, um, while also seeming to reject Akio in some ways in these episodes. But he's ultimately still like aping Akio and like, but like it's it's like a a poor imitation i mean and that is what toga has been doing this entire show is like playing at being a prince um and you know he doesn't have a car i mean if you have a car you can have passengers uh but he does have a car he has a motorcycle that you can Mm -hmm. attach a sidecar to but that's not that's not at all and he does have a passenger but like that's not at all the same thing and sionji is of course of course sionji's in the sidecar of course he's the passenger Mm -hmm. he you know he claims in this very scene to not want to be controlled, but he is, like... A passenger. He's a passenger. He has allowed himself to be manipulated by another world before, just as he's allowing himself to be a passenger to Toga. But he also does play at um, Akio's role, too, because he's the one in this case who, like... He can't... Obviously, there's no hood to, like, sit on, but he does, like, stand up in T-pose to intimidate <laughs> us. Um, it's so funny very bizarre and i love it's like a fun it's a great like funny scene Mm -hmm. um like the whole like the amazing like comedic timing like the beats that they give between each line of like the that's dangerous you're right like it's 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 really great um i love this scene it's really fun um but yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's basically what they talk about is um how they don't want to be controlled by end of the world by akio basically that's one in the same now as we can say that pretty much um and they and but it's like like you said even though they're saying like oh we don't want to follow into the world they're still 
riding in uh, a red motorcycle. It's not a car, but it's a motorcycle. Same idea. They're still going to duel Utena. Like, it's all, all the moves are the same. They just, like, don't want to acknowledge that they're, like, drawing from the playbook. It's kind of like how Nanami, um, we talked about her, like, wanting to reject the system, but still ended up dueling anyway. Like, mm-hmm. they just can't help themselves because they don't have any other framework for, like, what they can do um, to get any sort of, like, emotional resolution other than, like, duel. Yeah, and, like, and, and Sayonji really points this out because he's like, so what are you going to do? Are you going to duel Utena, like, just like End of the World is telling you to? Mm-hmm. And Toga's like, yeah, but, like, what we're seeing Toga try to do, and we'll get into this next scene, he's like... He's trying to do, so it's like, he's dueling Utena just like End of the World wants him to, but he's trying to, like, do it on his own, like, for, like, a purpose outside of End of the World. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's ultimate, we'll get to it, like, I'll, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about it in that scene where he's talking to Utena under the stars. But, um, yeah, very funny scene. Um, Chayoji's again with the rising from the coffins. Rising from, from the coffins that End of the World has prepared for us. So mm-hmm. he's really targeting End of the World as the kind of thing holding them back. Right. Because, I mean, it makes sense, though, when you think about it, because um, they both have been motivated by what Akio did that night. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of put them in their coffins when he brought Utena out of hers. Yeah. Like, um, in the coffin now, of masculinity, of yes. <laughs> princeliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they're trapped in now, because um, both of them, in their own ways, wanted to emulate this man who could do what they couldn't, which was convince Utena to come out of her coffin um so it makes sense that they would see him in this sort of adversarial way even though it seems like they respected him and part of them probably still does because Akio at least in like terms of the show is like the epitome of masculinity and that's still always going to be what they're striving for so of course they're going to respect it but also try to usurp it so they can be the pinnacle of masculinity Mm mm-hmm so we cut to the next. Speaking of the pinnacle of masculinity, literally Choo Choo, um, in bed with Utena. Oh, uh, but we did we miss? Um, there's a little. There's a cactus. Did we miss? Oh um, yes, 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 yes. And so in the middle of the scene, there's a flash of Toga and Akio shirtless in bed, and they're talking. Yes, because this is when we get this. It's implied that they have had sex. Right. Um, and they're talking about Utena, like, being a princess. And, yeah, we see that bl- cactus that has bloomed that you pointed yes. out last episode. Which, again, I think is, like, just a symbol of Toga, his, like, affection for Akio. Because mm-hmm. it bloomed last time when Akio, like, had a compliment for him. And now it's sitting there bloomed while they're presumably, like you said, had some, like, sex in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so, anyway, speaking of sex sex symbols choo-choo choo-choo <laughs> but choo-choo yeah choo-choo's in bed with Utena and Utena's wondering if Anthe is with Akio again um and uh Toga arrives like he kind of like knocks on the door of the tower and it's nighttime and he tells her like I have something there's something to do with end of the world um and she goes with him to the dueling arena at night and she says she's never been there at night and so this is interesting so in 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 the castle said to hold eternity it's taking place at night, but when they go up to the dueling arena, it becomes day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I take that to mean that, like, I don't know. Because that was all very, like, I don't know. Like, is it that that when that whole thing with Sionji kidnapping Anthe at night was all part of End of the ro- ro- World's plan? Um, and so it was, like, the dueling arena was, like, set up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that this is outside of End of the World's plan. 
And so it's like, it is nighttime. There is no, I don't know. But you still see the castle in the sky. I just don't right. know, like, because it, she did go up to the dueling arena at night, but it was not night when she got up there. But it is here. Yeah, I think maybe, I mean, if we want to, like, think about it, like, in terms of, like, the physical reality of it, maybe it's because last time she had to climb all those damn stairs. And now <laughs> she gets to take the long. elevator. Um, <laughs> but also, I just do think that, that the, the fact that it became day when she got up there last time um, just adds to the sort of dreamlike quality of that episode and how that, that ending sort of scene feels like a dream in, in a lot of ways to a lot of the characters. Um, so I think the fact, like you said, that the fact, like that it's still night means that this is like completely outside of end of the world's intentions. Like we've like bypassed whatever like mechanism would shift it into daytime because it's just like not, there's no dueling involved either. Like that was the plan for Sayonji. Sayonji was going to dual Utena and with like by just like killing her um but yeah this is purely to kind of warrant Utena or and also I don't know for Toga to express his feelings for Utena here yeah and so they're looking at the stars and it's it's so there's so many stars it's almost like the northern lights it like that's what it looks like and um I don't know if that's literally what's supposed to be happening or which is it's just like so fantastic um and like we think about the importance of gazing at stars i mean can we assume these are real stars because they're like in the space of the dual arena even though it seems that like akio is like not involved i don't know um but at least to toga and particularly to toga but also to know like they are they find this beautiful and they find this this these stars comforting um and so this conversation is like He's essentially trying to gauge if Utena has fallen in love with Akio or not. And um, he won't tell her who End of the World is. And he's just trying, and then he tries to like get her to like accept him as her prince. He says, You're my only princess. I love you from thy heart. You know, I, I, you're, you're so beautiful and noble. And it's the end of the scene. And like, once we talk about what's actually happening in this scene, I'll talk about like, some interesting analysis I read of it. Um, oh. this, this end of the scene is, is sweet in Toga's own way. Um, in that, like, you know, he's like, even if I'm not worthy of you, please be with me for this instant. And that, that will be enough. If I can just carve out the memory of this night, that will be enough. Will you permit me that? And she says, yes. And so it's like, he like it's there's a part of Toga that like knows he that like he cannot possibly be a prince. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's rec- he's at least recognized that like to a degree like princeliness is not something he can actually achieve. But he's like so like motivated by it and like has invested so much in it. He's like willing to just like accept the illusion of being a prince just for a night. Uh, yeah, how fitting then that they're under the Castle of Illusions then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think it's interesting Utena's behavior here. Like, obviously, I think Utena is a sympathetic person and, like, probably sees this in Toga on some level. Maybe can't understand it to that extent, but can be, like, clearly Toga's going through something and, like, they're at a point in their relationship where, like, he doesn't, I guess, like, upset her as much as he once did. So she can, she's like, okay, there's no harm in, like, just letting him pretend for a few seconds. But it's like, imagine if he tried this, like, any other time in the series. <laughs> it would be so different. Like, Utena, because Utena's now playing the part of girl, 
princess, whatever you want to call it, um, she's maybe more willing to do that for him. Mm-hmm. I feel like any other time Utena would have, like, punched him or, like, told him to fuck off or, like, been like, okay, weirdo, like, I don't know. But here she's just like, okay, we can do that. Like, that, it makes sense that she's in this sort of state where she's willing to let someone do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I, I don't know. Even though it's, like, Toga doing it, it's, it's there's, like, a sweetness to the scene, for sure. Like It I is, because like at the end of the day, he, he, I mean, he's 17. Like, he's a kid still. And a victim, too, of Akio. Yeah, like, and, like, he's done bad things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's ultimately, like, again, and he's very, you know, he's very, tries to be very Machiavellian and scheme It's in the first arc of the show. But it's really all for the purpose of him being able to fill this role that he's aspired to since he was just a couple years older than Utena. And, like, his, they're both, like, chasing the prince. Um, and, you know, Utena's less <laughs> cause, I think, overall causes much less harm than he does. Mm-hmm. But they're both, like, chasing the same ideal. And so, and it is a touching moment to kind of, it's like what's so brilliant about this show. The the one thing that's so brilliant about the show is not like the <laughs> the show. Um, but the thing it. like I love about what the show ultimately does narratively is like the the last arc of the show is really like a redux of the first arc of the show with like except now it's Akio. Like first it was Toga and now it's Akio, and it's just like now that we've had Akio like and we see how good he is at manipulation and turn trying to turn into into a prince in the way. Toga failed. In retrospect, Toga is so harmless. Like he can still cause harm, but comparatively, he's so like he's just a kid like using play swords and like doing his little playboy shtick to chase this dream. Whereas whereas Akio is so fully aware of the harm of the system. He showed young Utna Anthi's suffering. He knows what princehood props up. And he chooses to do it. And so it's just uh, Toga in the end becomes like this hero, even though he's so flawed. And I'll, in a second, I'll talk about that more. But he's so flawed, but he's well-intentioned in the way Akio is is never well-intentioned. Toga's, you know, it's, it's all like... Relative. It's all like self... Like he's trying to like... He's doing... It's, it's a selfish motive so he can be a prince. But he does believe in that princeliness is possible and is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, like, kind of a, um, like, the better version of, like, the classic anime trope of, like, oh, we meet a stronger villain so the older villains can, like, be our friends now. Like, mm-hmm. this, it just works more because, like you said, they're just two kids. And they both can, I think, recognize that in this moment of, like, we're both just, like, literal children and we're both playing at Prince and this is all we can really offer each other right now is just to pretend for a night that you, we're maybe, or at least Toga can be a prince. I don't know. Because it doesn't seem like Uta's as interested in being a prince right now as she once no. was. Um, but yeah, so that's a that's the whole scene. It's very cute. Um, and then we go to the bed. Yeah. So first I wanted to read a li- oh. just a small bit of analysis from, we've I've cited this blog a few times, The Consulting Analyst. Um, they had, so I, I just wanted to read some more thoughts on this episode to kind of inform my opinions. Um, and so this is a quote from them. I'm, I condensed it a bit. Um, so like, it's like Toga, like had, has convinced himself that Utna like 
was exceptional before, um, but is now no longer exceptional because she has fallen in love with Akio in his mind. Um, and so the scene is an example of that. While it's truly heartfelt on his part, his request to Utena is built on a flawed premise. When he asks her, can't I be your prince? What he's saying is, can't you accept your role in the system if it's under a more loving and understanding master? Um, now that he's seen her fall in love, he seems to be unable to process her continued existence as a strong individual. Even when Toga thinks he's breaking free of the system, he's doing no such thing, and he doesn't even have the self-awareness to recognize that. Because um, mm. Utena is like increasingly paradoxical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's like he can either view her as an object to be won, a barrier to his goal, or like a princess he can save. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like um, to borrow uh, just like a, a maybe uh, a phrase that most people know, like the whole I, mean, I feel like we've brought it up before, but the Madonna horror complex. Yeah, where, like there's just kind of I mean, we can maybe call it the princess witch uh, uh, complex in the context of Utenov, like you're either a princess or you're a witch. Um, and for maybe Utena to Toga is a witch when she's refusing to play that role for him. Um, but here she is being the princess for him. Um, so yeah, that I, I like that analysis a lot. It makes sense to me that that's his sort of struggle. Yeah, um, that which, it's like the fact that she's in love with Akio is what changes it. It's like, oh, she can't a prince like a prince can't be weak like that. Right, exactly. And that's like him um that these last two episodes have been sort of him kind of grappling with like not just like his recognition of like Utna and her position in all this, but also his own, where he's realizing that like he was never going to be the prince for her mm-hmm. as much as he wanted it or tried for it. It just like, there was always going to be a bigger fish in the pond and it's Akio here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really like that analysis. Yeah. So yeah, getting to the bed. Uh, Which once we... again, I do want to point out um, literally this entire arc so far. Uh, don't worry. This is relevant to what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's at no point do Utna and Amti, are they sleeping in the bed at the same time? I don't think. Yeah, yeah, we were getting them sleeping in the same... That's a good point. I was thinking about that, like, as I was looking at my notes, because the previous scene in this episode, Utna was in the bed, Anthe was out of bed, and mm-hmm. now Anthe's in the bed, and Utna's standing up. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still wearing her prince outfit, and she's looking out the window and, like, thinking about Togo's words, and then she kind of looks at Anthe, and the sun rises. Um, but yeah, there this bed, which we saw during the... Um, Akio Otori saga they were every night this ritualistic like connection um, and now it is that is completely fractured um, mm-hmm. and it's all Akio's fault it is as always <laughs> and so after that little brief scene of, of Utsuna looking out the window and looking at Anthe um, we cut to Toga and Sayonji alone once again at, at the student council meeting and this is interesting so there's a vase of white roses and then we see a vase of pink roses and then we see a vase of green roses then red blue and orange and every time we see a vase uh like one has like a rose shot off by a gun but the orange ones have multiple roses shot off that's the only one where we see like it's like bam 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 and then we see the white roses again and there's only one left um and then we we hear another gunshot and the screen goes black presumably the last white rose has been destroyed so before we get into the actual text of the scene, um, I don't know. It's interesting that Jury's color mm-hmm. are the ones that are shot off the most. Mm-hmm. And it, I like 
again, we can say like certain symbolism could be just random and reading into it, but the fact that Jury is the only one to to like really like take issue with Utena being a girl quote-unquote mm-hmm. and she's the one important it does i mean and we've noted before <clears throat> sorry that jury like has like this sort of place in the narrative um we noted this went in the um i believe it was thorns of death when she we get to watch her go up to the student council room yeah and it's just like so different from anything else the other student council she goes student. down we never oh, see down, student down. council members yes. go down and we yeah, still have sorry. it yeah it's she's yeah. the only one who goes down um, and so she has always been kind of outside of the dueling system in that way. Um, it's almost like the system itself recognizes that she is different and by a fact of being a lesbian. Like, mm-hmm. that's enough to, like, for the system to kind of be like, okay, you can be in here, but so long as you play by our rules and you, um, when there's a rose bride, you're, like, it's just like um, jury has always been kind of a glitch in the system, um, so I think it makes sense that she would kind of get the most heat in this moment, the most shots fired. But once again, you could like you like you were saying, could just be random. They could have just been cycling through the colors and just landed on juries. But I, I like to think that, like you said, it's just because jury does have a very um, different position in the narrative or in the system than the other characters do. Um, and I feel like that was first all set up back when jury gave Utena her sword. I think. Obviously, that's something you uh, felt very passionately about, and <laughs> I agree. Like, think about. <laughs> yes, it's like it's just jury special. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and like it's this I I could read into it also as this idea of like we've alluded to this, and this episode definitely gets at the idea of like that like masculinity and like patriarchy. Like it hurts everyone. Like it hurts women. It hurts men too. Like. Like, we see the way Toga and Sionji's, like, brains have been, like, melted by princehood. And, like, <laughs> and, like they're, they're pitted against each other and they can't really connect, like, and they hurt each other. And, like, just the way it hurts young men and boys. And so, but, like, the stakes are different, like, for someone like, for a girl like Utena and for, like, a girl like Juri who is a lesbian and, like, transgresses things like like it like masculinity patriarchy like hurts everyone but the stakes are different for for people who aren't men and so it makes sense that like all the roses get shot like it hurts everyone is being hurt by the system but jury is being hurt the most because out of the permanent student council members nanami is not included in this scene but Nanami's always been an outlier in terms of like not really being a student council member. Only right. she's only to, like there because of Toga. Um, and but I like to imagine that like maybe Nanami would have been shot off a few more times mm-hmm. than than Mickey and and Toga and Sayonji were. Absolutely, and I mean <clears throat> the fact that she's not there is also I think significant. Like you said, like it's because she like completely has rejected the dueling system. I don't think I think there are parts of all the other characters who are still like invested in that but she's just like done with it mm-hmm. like she rejected that so she doesn't even get to be in the room anymore um which you know it makes sense mm-hmm. um yeah so so the actual was... text of this scene is like Sionji just being like so like did you get what you wanted out of that conversation and so it's like yeah last night I made it perfectly clear Uta is important to me and I will f- fight again because there's no other way to save her um 
And if because if she wins this duel, she'll get the power to revolutionize the world. And if she has the power to revolutionize the world, she'll fall into end of the world's hands. So Toga has now viewed, instead of viewing Utna in an adversarial light, um, he is uh, viewing her in as like a damsel, mm-hmm. um, as himself as prince and her as princess. Yeah, once again, even when Toga's like trying to do like a good thing for Utena, it's like she can he can only do that in, under the guise of like, um, well, it's for me saving her. Like that's what this is about. It's not like a friend to a friend, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's from a prince because if it was a friend to a friend, he would just outright tell her all this and like, yeah, like, this is. But no, he'd be he like Akio's end of the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he doesn't because he still there's still part of him that believes that he could still maybe have a shot at this. He doesn't want to risk it just yet. Um, and he wants to cling to the power he has of, like, knowing that Akio's end of the world and Utena not knowing. He's still exactly. cl- clinging to the remnants of the system um, that he can still cling to. Um, like, he, he can't let himself let go of it entirely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so um, now for the most important fight of the seat episode, Tuchu versus a worm. <laughs> Yeah, so Chuchu's, uh, it's been a while since we've seen Chuchu, like, fight another animal. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Chuchu fighting the frog, and that's always been associated with Sionji scenes. Um, and But then we have Chuchu <laughs> digging a hole and, like, fighting a worm. Uh, very cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as Anthi is asking Utna where she was last night, and we've had Anthi ask Utna, like, how she is. Um, but this is a more, like, pointed question in mm-hmm. that, like, and, like, Utsuna, like, dodges the question. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, seems clear that, like, Anthi's trying to see if Utsuna will tell her where she was. Like, Anthi knows where Utsuna was. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I she mean, know, like, there's no, like, I feel like there's no way, like, even if Akio didn't, like, m- m- like, orchestrate the whole Toga night thing, I feel like Anthi knows about it. She always, she knows everything. Mm-hmm. Um, she, um, or at least yeah. strongly suspects. Like Absolutely. she's, she's so aware of everything going on in the school. It's hard to believe she doesn't know. And so this feels very strategic question to see if Utena will tell her the truth. Yeah. And also like, this is also an interesting thing to think about in terms of like the Anthe of the first arc or any of the other arcs of like, Maybe last arc, but like this one, uh, like she's just willing to ask that. Like, Anthe never would have done that before. Like, she mm-hmm. was just the rose bride. She would just sit there and smile and just a- answer your questions. Um, but she was never someone to ask like a pointed question like this. Like, where were you? Co- like, clearly implying that she she wants to know this. Like, um, which is like very unlike her. Um, so of course, uh, Toga and Sandwich, you have to come and just like make the vibes absolutely rancid with their presence. Uh, <laughs> they like do this weird thing with them where it's like Sayonji like lays on Anthe's lap and Toga like pushes Utena against a tree mm-hmm. um, it's very weird it's like they're trying to pose as if it's like a double date or something <laughs> yeah it really is but it's like they pose like it's a double date but that's also like it's also reflecting their positions in the duel that's about to happen Sayonji is like Toga's rose bride Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that later. That's literally his role in the yeah, duel. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which I love. <laughs> like, that's perfect. Um, but yeah, so Toga is, like, basically using this opportunity to get Utena go- to um, duel with him. And that's what he asks here. 
Um, and then we get Shadowplay Girls. Yeah, and, and the, the terms of this duel is if he wins, she must become his woman. Oh. Um, so it's like, I wonder, like, does he really think he's going to win? I don't, it just feels like such like a, like almost like a kamikaze mission. Like he, like, I it feel, it's kind of like Ruka, like almost like knowing mm-hmm. like the rules of the game and like knowing it's not going to work out. Right. But I mean, except I, feel- I think Toga is like, there's a part of Toga that thinks he still might, like that's holding on to the hope that he might. Yeah, he still has the hope. Um, but also like last episode was all about how he has realized that he is not the one who is meant to win this. Like that was his dilemma last time was realizing Utena is the one who's being favored, not him. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, so yeah, when he says that, I'm sure it's because he just knows it's probably not going to happen. But if he does win, hey, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Utena agrees. And, but she's like, so like she, we see Utena slip back into the prince role more than ever here because it is, she is agreeing to do him on the guys that if he, she wins, they will leave Anthea alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get back to this vow um, later in the duo when we see the flash of Utena and Anthea in the elevator. But yeah, like Utena, we, this is the most we see Utena act like a prince in this arc, in this moment where she's agreeing to defend Anthea's Anthe's honor. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. It's like kind of their like go-to move or like this is very old school of them to just like mm-hmm. every like the last arc was like everyone had the most complicated fucking motivations <laughs> here it's like hey we're just gonna threaten Auntie like we always do and she's just like okay <laughs> <laughs> so the shadow girl scene is next and um this one we have a shadow girl who is um a prince on the white on a white horse and the other shadow girl's like, oh, a prince of the white horse, the flowing mane, the four legs, how magnificent. And, and the prince is like, no, no, no. Um, I'm the prince of the white horse, not the white horse of the prince. Like, I'm the prince. And the other girl's like, oh, does that mean you're not a human prince? And he's like, no, I'm a human. I'm the prince upon a white horse. And she's like, well, you're a prince. Okay, cool. And she, the, then the prince is like, do you actually like want a horse prince? and and the girl's like yeah and And so the scene ends I mean and this is like definitely getting at like the prince of the white horse thinks he is a prince he is the prince of the white horse but the other the girl sees him as the white horse of the prince Um, and so we have this like clash of images Mm -hmm. and this clash of like understanding which is very Utena core of Absolutely. People yeah, this feels like they're one thing and being seen as another. Yeah, this feels like peak Shadowplay Girls to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, um, also yeah, like you said, the fact that she still prefers the horse of the like, like yeah, she wants that prince. It's like, um, does that make the the real prince and less of a prince now because this the princess doesn't want him? She wants the horse instead. Like, does it make the prince like the horse is the prince now? Um, just a lot. Obviously, I feel like this is, like, pretty straightforward just in terms of, like, what it means. Um, yeah, I, I like this. It's a cute little one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and lots of, like, wordplay going on. It's cute. Yeah, very cute. Um, so we got to get to this duel because this is, Ooh. like, a big, a huge banger. Yes. Um, so we, um, it's interesting that the car is there. Yes. Because they did not go on a car ride. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this should, I feel like, should hint um at the fact that 
this is still all part of end of the world's grand design. Yeah, Toga should be concerned. The <laughs> fact, like, even though at the by the end of it, he's still on his on his motorcycle and tries to do it his way, it's still the cars. The cars have the say. They're still doing the same ritual of like the Rose Bride in this case. Sionji has to ride in the car around the arena, um, and Toga gets the sword pulled out of him, which uh, was like. My God, these bitches gay. Like, <laughs> oh my God, these bitches gay. Um, oh my God, yes, yeah, uh, these bitches gay. Very. Um, but yeah, so um, the cars are still there, but um, we'll get to some really cool like changing up of the scenery, which I I love. Mm-hmm. In this duel, like this duel is like easily one of the coolest duels of the entire series. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so uh, we get this sort of duel going on, um, and. It seems like, I don't know, Utena seems kind of out of it. She's, like, doing a lot of thinking in this scene. Yeah, there's this, so we have Sionji in the car, again, in his role of Rose Bride. Um, and then, like, as, like, the car's spinning around, and we, we get this, like, quiet moment, kind of, between um, Toga and Utena, where first he, like, he's like, I will, I'll save you, Tenjo. He like, calls her Tenjo-kun again. Um, and, but then there's like this like they're both thinking like they're not like they're like te- they have a little t- telepathy moment where mm-hmm. she's like like how could you do this like oh well, first is what no excuse me first he's like i want to point out that he's like no personal feelings when you're in battle which is really funny because <laughs> it's like all of these duels are like that's all they're that's about. all they are <laughs> that's like the whole premise it's like when it's like when like they get like juries like clowning on sayonji for having a personal duel it's like oh brother <laughs> like all right self. All right, Ms. Miracles. Um, <laughs> but then they have this, like, little telepathy moment where she's like, how many times have we dueled here? And he says, this is the third. And she says, strange. Feels like it's been dozen, dozens of times. Um, which is interesting. And I, I kind of, something I a thought I had about that, I mean, if we think about, like, Toga representing, like, because Utena for a long time did think Toga was her prince. We can't forget that. In the first arc of the show, she really thought Toga might be her prince. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, even if she hasn't dueled with Toga this whole time, like, she's dueled lots of people. She's only dueled Toga twice before. But he's like, the specter of the prince is always mm-hmm. hanging over all of the duels. And, like, of who her prince is is always on her mind. Um, so that's what I took that to mean. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I feel like especially in that first arc, she knew Toga was, like, the head honcho. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like in her mind, she always knew Toga was just, like, there um, watching with his opera glasses and saying, baby. Um, she could just sense that, I'm sure. Um, so I think <laughs> that's what she means when she says that. She's fought, but also, I don't know, it could also be read as, like, she's fought lots of Togas. Like, lots of people in the show want to be Prince. They want to play Prince like Toga does, like, Ruka is very similar. Sayonji is very similar. Um, even Miki was kind of playing at mm-hmm. masculinity to that same regard. So I feel like that's also something you could look into as, like, Toga's not far from a unique person in this show because everyone else is trying to be a prince, too. So I think that makes total sense that Utena would be like, I feel like I've fought you before, dude, like a billion times because <laughs> she kind of has, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. and um, so then the the cars start like going everywhere they just start like this is where we really see something change because like we've seen the car you know it's like usually cars go in a circle and then the cars spring out of the ground and like shine their headlights but then the cars just start like 
coming at all directions violently. And then Uta and Anthe do their little backflip power-up move. Uh-huh. And then we get this flash to them going up the elevator um, just before the duel. And, like, Uta and Anthe, they're facing each other in the elevator. And they're, she's, like, holding Anthe's hands. And she says, hey, Himemia, believe in me. I'll protect you no, no matter what. And Anthe says, really? Or she's like kind of like questions that. And she says, can't you believe in me? Um, and this is like really interesting because it's such an intimate moment. It's the closest we've seen them all arc. Mm-hmm. But it's also the most distant, I think. Because Absolutely. even though they are physically close, Utena is all in her prince garb. Anthe is dressed as the Rose Bride. And they are relating to each other only through the duel and only through the role of Utena as a prince and Anthe as a princess to be saved. And so they've really, even though this is like, I think like the most physically close we've seen them, like in the whole show, it is the most distant we have seen them. Absolutely. Like they're both still playing these roles and they're both still going through these rituals together. Um, but it's like, how much have we really seen them interact in this arc? Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the same thing of like, like, when they were on the hill together, like, not just this episode, but the episode before, they just seem like their head, both of their minds are in different places when they're together now. Um, so, yeah, I think it's 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 sad to, to see that. Um, but it is, like, still nice to see Utena save Anthe from a bunch of cars getting thrown at her face. It's, no, like, T, like, good. It, I'm glad she sliced those cars. But Anthe's, like... <laughs> questioning of her promise mm-hmm. is really sad when you think about like it it feels like the end of the episode when uh, when Utena walks in on Anthe in in Akio that feels like an Anthe looks directly at Utena it feels kind of like Anthe being like look can you protect me like Ooh. you said you could protect me no matter what and this has been happening under your nose this whole time and this is the man it's happening to you too and you don't even realize so that like ooh, that, that that scene is it's it's you know on a surface level it's when you just look at that image of on the anuta it's like a, the most romantic image we've been given in the whole show of them mm-hmm. but it's so uh, apart from the ball scene but it's so tinged with darkness because Anthe is like kind of mocking her you could yeah. read that as Anthe mocking her like really like can you really protect me right you, or I'm I, gonna show you what's what you've been unable to protect me from mm-hmm. it's almost uh, the word I would use is like resentful yeah um, because I mean we don't know how much of Anthe remembers of um her time when she back when Utena first first met her when they were kids um but I would imagine I mean Anthe seems like the person who would remember that so mm-hmm. I feel like maybe there's a part of her who's like starting to see like, maybe when she, Utena first came back into her life, she had the thought of, like, she's back and she's going to save me like she promised she would when she was a kid. And that still hasn't really happened. Um, and now, especially that Akio has, like, ensnared Utena too, she's probably starting to see no hope whatsoever. So now she's kind of resentful at Utena for not keeping her promise before. She's like, really? Now you're going to mm-hmm. start trying to save me? Like, you can't even save yourself. And I'm still stuck in this... Obviously, we can't see the swords, but I feel like the swords are still there for Anthe. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, I, yeah, I think that's where that really is coming from, is a place of, like, resentment or anger or just, like, genuine disbelief of, like, I really don't think you're going to be able to 
um, which is, yeah, like you said, really devastating to think about. Yeah, um, like, Utena can only protect her in the context of the dueling arena. But, again, this is all Akio's design, so she's not really protecting her for anything. She's protecting her from, like, phantom cars here. Yes. Like, <laughs> and from, um, like, these stakes of, like, maybe it, like, felt so, like, for Anthea, it was, like, so hopeful because she was with, stuck with, like, fucking Sionji. Um, and, like, so Utena to come in and save her from that felt she was like yes this is like the first step it's going to happen but i feel like after all these duels that auntie's gone through and now she's having she's forced to watch uh utina duel toga for like absolute bullshit reasons she's like over it at this mm-hmm. point she's like what good are you to me if like this is the only place you can save me like it's bad <laughs> yeah it's really sad but like the the, the duel is cool it's oh, just like, think about it like how <laughs> we, meaningless we are, it is yeah we are um the meme of um us staring at this duel wow cool duel as like overhead goes <laughs> like Anthe is deeply depressed and Uta uh, is like at, at her absolute lowest going over <laughs> but yeah they start after they do the power up they're able like Anthe like stands behind Utna and Utna starts cutting the cars in half um which is just cool as hell it's like Utena, this has like a lot of this clip has a ton of views on YouTube yes it's like it's and, like um, um tumblr i remember this was a gift set and people like were like laughing or were like what the fuck is is this this? show about (laughs) i love it um and but after you know cutting the cars uh utina ultimately defeats toga and sionji and you know they're all like (laughs) sprayed splayed out on the ground all like you know defeated and And as utina's and shirtless and as Uta starts to leave they're like he toga's like hold it like you're gonna have the power to revolutionize the world but don't open your heart to end the world or to the rose bride so he's trying to like warn her against Anthe, and then um he's like that's that's all i can say and she's just like not that again yeah. <laughs> he's like oh you're on that again and then as they leave toga and sayonji have this moment where sayonji's like is like is that it for us like have basically just like have we served our purpose and like we are going to be nothing more than just pawns in this and toga says it's not over until we see it through to the very end so like he's kind of just accepting that okay like the wheels are in motion for this to happen and we will just watch it happen absolutely yeah and i love that this is like i don't know it feels like i mean it obviously was a very climactic like big different duel but it was still just like just a duel basically um, so it's interesting that this was kind of like the deciding factor. Like Toga's like, yep, you did it. You're going to revolutionize the world now. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like there should be like fireworks, something. But it just feels like another another victory over some loser who like had a personal vendetta. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it scarier. Because now we're like, well, shit. This was being played, like b- built up to be like a big moment. Like, what's going to happen? What is this actually going to look like? I th- We're all supposed to feel like Jerry does in this episode, where she's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I'm terrified. Yeah. we And we like we still have three episodes left. Like, Literally. Like, yeah. <laughs> so before we get into the last bit of the episode, where we get that, Utina finally seeing the truth of what's been going on, let's talk about the duel song. Yes. So this is allegory or allegory. Allegory, allegory, or allegoryist. And I guess my first note, this is a note on the um from the empty movement translation page. Um, this is like the title is like doesn't translate super well to English. Um you don't say. so so it's um so it's like gui, gua, and guest. 
is the Mm. I'm sorry for my Japanese, but like gui, G-U-U-I is how it's like anglicized, um, is roughly means symbolism. Um, and gua means allegory. So this is the note. So but besides the fact that an allegory being a story that operates entirely on the symbolic level is sort of the next step up from symbolism. So it's like symbol, symbolism and like a series <laughs> of symbols make up an allegory. Um, and then gui and gua ha- together happen to sound like they follow the English path adjectival pattern of e er and est endings like happy happy or happiest so guest is like written in the same first character as gui and gua but it doesn't mean anything <laughs> um so it's there to complete the pattern so it's it's more like symbol symbolic symbolic or symbolicist would be a more accurate translation of the title so like allegory allegory or allegory just sounds better but it's 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 just fu- it's funny either way, but I just wanted to note the little language difference that can't really be captured. Yeah, I love it. It's it's a cool idea to like think. I don't know. It's a fun title for a song and a fun lyric to have in it. It's very mm-hmm. Uchina. <laughs> so this song is again very much. It's it's the in the kind of like vein of the student council dual songs and it's listing lots of things it's all about like big ideals um was we noted like the black rose dual songs were more like focused in on like they we said lots of smart things about those songs we <laughs> like we, we, the student council duels have a very specific like rhythm to it and the and the things we're listing um and like very big picture um, birth and death and cycles and that's very much present here and and this one is a lot about like apocalypse and end of the world um which is very fitting given we like the idea of revolution like to have a revolution you need to destroy something or that's the one way you can think of it like you're destroying the old way of doing something or the old world so it makes sense that we're as we're approaching this day of revolution that is allegedly happening that we're going to have like destruction and apocalypse on our minds so there's you know, cataclysm end of the world um north lemming and siberian antelope so the north lemming isn't actually endangered um it's least concern in terms of conservation uh oh. but the 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 saiga antelope which is probably what they're referring to with the siberian antelope is endangered um Prophecy of Destruction, Paradise of Paradise Lost, Paradise Lost, of course, being John Milton's Paradise Lost, a poem that retells the fall of man, the temptation of anatomy by the angel, fallen angel Satan, an expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Uh, we talked about the Garden of Eden being like the sunlit garden. Akio has mm-hmm. compared himself to Lucifer, so there's a lot to read into there. <laughs> um, and then the Nirvana Principle is evoked here, and that's in relation to psychoanalytic theory. It's the idea that like um, uh, on, like the only I'm stupid, so I don't know if this is true. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the only it's the idea that the only organic and stable state of life that individuals strive th- for is death. And another quote I found about it is that all instincts and life principles aim to remove all tension and seek the only or stable organic state, which is death. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah, d- things are dying and things are coming to an end, basically, is the idea behind this duel. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, we can assume the last duel song we'll ever hear, probably. Perhaps, uh, we'll see. Maybe. I mean, I mean, I, we're getting to the end of it, so I think this makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's almost like 
we're bringing it back around to the ultimate dual song, which is Zetai Udme Moku Shuroku, like mm. the, the apocalypse. Like, this is something that should have always been on our minds. So to have this final song, or maybe final song, I don't know, one of the last songs, um, be like, apocalypse, baby, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And we're in the apocalypse saga. Like, something's, something is Something shifted, as Jury said. Exactly. She knows. Um, so then there's a, a listing of a few authors um, that oh. I, I did, like, kind of, like, poke at a bit and try to pull meaning from. So it lists Dante, Chablis, Swift, and Desad. Um So Taylor Dante... Swift. Yeah, exactly. No, Jonathan <laughs> Swift. Um, so so Dante, of, I'm sure we're all familiar with Dante's The Inferno, Dante Alighieri's The Inferno. Um, and then Jonathan Swift, who is a satirist. Um, I'm not super familiar with Jonathan Swift. Um, Chablis um, is a French author. I'll get into him in a second. And then Desad. I think a lot of us are familiar with Desad. So Dante... I mean, I think I think it kind of like the most famous works of these people. So Dante's The Inferno. Um, this is a, like the consulting analyst had a note about this. It's like like he wrote about it. Observed, Dante's The Inferno observed humanity locked into a predetermined cycle of endless suffering. So we have like the cyclical nature um, of like systemic suffering. Um, again, Swift, I'm not as familiar with um, Jonathan Swift um he's a satirist um all these like 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 dante and like decide i wouldn't call them necessarily call satirists but they're they're like their works like provoke they're they're all works that provoke and like poke at uh, certain ideas and like you could say like if you think of satire as like a mirror of a comic mirror of society um I think that's relevant to Utena. Um, yes, I think so too. <laughs> but the, the the two I thought about the most were um, Rabelais and de Sade. So Rabelais, um, François Rabelais, um, was a French um, writer in the 16th century. And his most famous work is The Life of Gargantua and Pentagruel. I had to read excerpts of this from in my one of my undergrad French class. It's really long. It's like five <laughs> books. Um, and it's the the general gist of it, it's about like 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 these like it's about like the origin of giants. Like Pentagruel and his like is like he's like this like really like noble royal figure and it's all about these like grand like heroic ideas but it's the actual writing and the story is like very like grotesque and like um comic and like gross um and it was you know like scatological humor is kind of something that's associated with But I, I was like digging through the story and there was an aspect of the like one of the books in that Rabelais wrote that I thought was interesting. Again, I don't think this was intended, but I like by this reference, but I think it's interesting. So in the, so there's a character, Panyosh, and in he, there's this like in this in the in Gargetro and Pentagoral, there's this idea of like cuckoldry and like oh. I like like I think Panyosh is like one of the men who's like cuckolding a bunch of men. And like fucking their wives, and then he starts to have like a crisis, like, oh, I can I can never get married because like then I'll get cut colded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he goes on a quest to discover whether or not marriage will always end in being cut colded. And so he goes to like a bunch of different people and asks them like their opinions on like marriage and like if it 
what what's he's like what's the tea um and in a typical quest for discovery i'm reading on a website that's like summarizing the book and in a typical quest for discovery our the hero does not usually find an, the right answer until the climax of the story or towards the end but in this book Panoj discovers the answer early on, but refuses to recognize it as the real answer since it's not the answer he wants. Oh. Thus, instead of ending his quest for discovery, he quest continues on in the fourth and fifth books, um, oh and it leads him on this like uh, journey around the world. And it's like the satiric mirror of the Odyssey. Um, and but this idea of like searching for an answer. Even though you already have it. You already have it. It feels very relevant to, like, Utena as a character. Mm-hmm. Because from the beginning of the Utena story, as we've been presented it, when she meets the prince, like, she's already, like, when she met Dios, she was, like, already knew the prince was dead, essentially. Like, or that the prince was powerless. Like, he's like, I can't save her. I'm he's not I'm not a prince anymore. And she knew all about Anthe's suffering. Um, but instead of acknowledging that and being like, oh all these things are like untrue and like I don't I don't have to be beholden to certain systems instead she's like forgets it and <laughs> is still searching for the prince even though she already knows that like the prince is false mm-hmm. um and you could say like toga too that's what he's doing here he has been confronted with the reality that he can't be a prince and and that like princeliness is like not something worth chasing but that's not really the answer he wants <laughs> like he doesn't want to he just like he's like oh I'll just like Maybe Utena will let me be her prince for like a yeah. second. <laughs> and like, I can't stop because I can't read. Is yeah, like, and so that just like felt like a fun like little rabbit hole to go down. Um, and then the last reference is Maki Desad, who's a very famous um, little freak. Little freak. I I just thought of like his 120 Days of Sodom, of um, which is like in the book in his book. I've not read it. I've it just sounds I exhausting um but it's basically about um a group of four wealthy male libertines who over the course of several months like have are in this castle and they like have a harem of victims of male and female teenagers and they use like brothel keepers like sex workers essentially like to um like tell them stories of their lives and adventures and that as they torture and abuse their victims, which ends in all of the victims dying. Um, great, fun story, Ray. but it does feel like relevant to me until we talk about like systems of like, like it's like everyone suffers. And in the end, and then like all the victims die in the end um, at the, like in, at the behest of people in power. If we look at like what Akio is doing in the school um, he's doing it to varying degrees. Like he's like actually abusing Anthea and Utena um, and Toga um, sexually. Mm-hmm. And he's talked about wanting to create a harem. Um, yeah, joked in quotes. <laughs> joked about creating a harem. But it was like everyone in the school is hurt by him. And that's mm-hmm. the dueling system and the the competition it creates. And the, you know, the Black mm-hmm. Rose duels hurt a lot of people. Like oh. it's just like... Yeah, those are, those are my notes. <laughs> that makes total sense to me. Yeah, I, I like the the connection. I'd be interested to learn more about the Jonathan Swift guy just to see it. I'm I'm sure he like ties into it in a similar way. He wrote Gulliver's Travels, but I've uh, never read that. Okay, I just know Jack Black was in that movie, so maybe that's <laughs> relevant. Um, no, yeah, I, I I really like that a lot, and um, it makes sense. Yeah, it's a good way to sort of cap off 
what feels like us even though we, like, we've been in this last arc for a while this still feels kind of like we are still kind of clinging on um to last arc like the cars here the fact that the cars get like sliced in half in this episode is like feels mm-hmm. very telling like okay we are completely done with this we've like these cars were just sitting there probably collecting dust because it's been a while since there was a duel. Okay, we're going to bring them out one last time. They're going to go out with a bang. And now it's on to, like, the actual kind of, like, trilogy that will cap off this ep- this series. Um, yeah. But before we move on to the next episodes, we end this episode with a huge revelation um, that we've been anticipating ever since, like, last, like, pretty early on in last arc, which is... Uh, Uchino walks in on Anthe and Akio, um, mm-hmm. and Anthe sees her do so, and yeah. like you said, stares at Uchino, and that's that's how we cap off the episode. Them looking into each other's eyes. Yeah, and this is preface that right before this happens, we we see Uchina in bed being like, "Isn't it great, Anthe? Like she's in great Hememia. No one will be after you anymore." And there's this really long silence. Like, it's one of those, it's almost like that scene part where, like, Toga's, like, standing in the shower. It's so long before Anthe, like, turns to look at her as Utena mumbles Akio's name. And that's another moment that feels kind of like Anthe being like, really, no one will be after me anymore. Yeah. Um, and, like, the right. fact that she, like, she knows Utena's, like, if is at least believes she is in love with Akio. Or, like, that, that in some way. It's just, like, you can imagine that hurts Anthe even more. And so, yeah, like, Utina wakes up, something draws her to go find Anthe, and that's what we end the episode on, this reveal. And we ha- so we haven't talked about, as we've been watching the show, I, have you, do you ever watch the post-credits preview for the next episode? Um, the only one I remember from the show is when they show the chicken. Okay. That's all I remember. So, no, not really. <laughs> So yeah, we haven't been talking about them. I mean, we already have so much to talk about. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel necessary. I mean, and the way they usually play out is Uta and Anthe just going back and forth, and it ends with Anthe being like, Zetai unmei mokushiroku. It always ends with Anthe saying, Zetai unmei mokushiroku. And there's some, like, funny moments in them. I know, like, in the, after the uh, Zero Paler, no, it's after Whispers in the Dark, leading into Zero Paler in the Sky, like, Uta is like, why is Jury so weird about Shiori? Like, <laughs> like why isn't she nice to her friend? <laughs> like, it's just like very much like Utanano and what a lesbian is. It's like very funny. <laughs> but this one is like the most like talked about one in the whole show, so it feels real important to talk about it. Sure. So in the pre- next time on Utana um, preview, it's um, on Utana say, reading her this letter from the prince like you know kind of like and there i will be able to see you again from your prince and then it's auntie saying Utena-sama, a letter arrived from end of the world didn't it and then Utena says hememia i just can't forgive what you've done and auntie says Utena-sama, don't you know how much i've always despised you Ooh. so the girls are fighting we can leave it at that what we what that means but it's I mean, it kind of, again, undercuts any any sweetness you might have felt about the moment of them in the elevator. If you if didn't, like, think about, like, I remember the first time I watched this, ep- this episode, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, Utena's protecting her. Like, I still wasn't, like, fully getting, because I didn't, I, when you first watch, sometimes it's, like, hard to figure out what Anthe's thinking, mm-hmm. that's, and that's by design. Yes. Um, but this really undercuts any positivity you might be feeling about their <laughs> relationship right now. Like, whether Anthe's telling the truth or not, you know. I don't know, but it is 
where she's truly always despised Utena. Um, but for Anthe to say that, like, it's so... Especially in, like, a context of, like, where she presumably is allowed to be a little more truthful. Like, it's, like, outside mm-hmm. of the re- like the reality of the show a little. Um, zoinks. Yeah. <laughs> zoinks, absolutely. Um, wow. So, yeah, that's that's a, um, an interesting way to lead us into these last few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, where, I guess, even Uchina seems to think no more duels. So, we'll see what they do for these episodes. Um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very excited, though, for um, our next episode. What's what's the next episode? Um, the next episode is The One to Revolutionize the World, or I think oh. The One Who Will Revolutionize the World. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> who could that be? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so um, we'll be here back for episode 37 next week. Um, once again, as always, please, uh, you know, send us questions, comments, concerns, corrections, just say hi doesn't i don't know just send stuff to us in our mailbag um the link is in our bio um on at shadow play gaze on twitter um but christine otherwise where can people find you first i'll plug the the Anthe and utinus dialogue from the end of whispers in the dark i just found it um oh. i don't know if this is exact translation but this is from the auteur the 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 empty movement scripts like like archive um but it's each is like at the end of whispers in the dark each is there's a rumor going around that uh risugara senpai loves shiori-san what do you think's going on <laughs> and then Anthe's like i don't think other people would understand each says huh and then Anthe says love it means different things to different people and Uchina okay. is like i like it's like no i wasn't asking something general what i want to know is and then utina like, cuts herself off and is like next time on revolutionary girl utina <laughs> uh, um anyway just funny like utina literally like asks um the, like what a lesbian is in one of these <laughs> um anyway you can find me on twitter at xt underscore files um and i will be writing about uh, the new season of survivor survivor 42 on inside survivor it starts by the time this episode drops it will have started yesterday um so f- excited scared i have this awful strange feeling um just like jerry does um but i'm excited so yes. uh, uh derek where can people find you yeah they can find me at ray derek's on twitter as well um they can also follow my other podcast with our good friend sam stanish um we are called bitter jurors um at bitter jurors part on twitter and instagram uh by the time this episode's dropped episode has dropped um, you will have also heard uh, our cast assessment we did for Survivor 42 with our good friend Roan Talsma, Jeopardy legend. Of Jeopardy so, fame. Yes. Um, so yeah, listen to that cast. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you had already listened to that cast assessment and then watched Survivor 42. And all of the things we said about the cast members turned out to be true. And oh my gosh, I can't believe X person got the voted fake out. Blood. Oh my God. <laughs> um <laughs> Right, yeah, watch Survivor 42, listen to us, and see y'all next week for presumably more devastation. Yeah, episode 37, the one to revolutionize the world. Okie dokie, bye y'all! Bye!